come straight for that logo on the side of your helmet and not the name on your back. Yes, sir. Because we know what it represents. It represents everybody here you see and everybody you can't that we've talked about. I'm here to strain with you, man. I swear to God, I'm here to strain with you. Let's go. Everything you got, strain with everything you got. Let's go. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills. You're listening to the Off Tackle with John Fetus Show with your host, Joe Miller. Well, what is going on, everybody? Welcome. Welcome, everybody, into the Off Tackle with John Fiennes Show, brought to you by Ficta, Endel, and Elmer Eye Care on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. My name is Joe Miller, sitting alongside my favorite guy, John Fina. John, how are you feeling? We are off the schneid. Good day. Well, I guess I got the I got the uh, title, your favorite guy. I, you know, I'm just glad to be in the top five, ten, or fifteen. So, all is well in my world, man. I was uh, five and one this weekend. Got the uh, high school playoff victory. We go to the semis this Friday. Nice. UCLA Bruins took care of their uh, rival, the uh, USC Trojans. Arizona Wildcats freaking curb stomped Utah, and they're having an amazing year. Uh, my Buffalo Bills won and my Arizona Cardinals lost. So still doing pretty good. Uh, it seems as though, um, when things are going good, they're going good. And when things are going bad, they're going bad. Like it seems, it seems like, like, like when the bills are playing bad, it's like things like all that ancillary stuff for you doesn't go well when the bills play well or all the ancillary stuff goes well. And then the bills play well. Is there a correlation of sorts in the, in the FINA, FINA household there? Uh, no, it's just the mystic way the world turns, you know. I mean, if I'm aging my stakes in time, things go well. If it's just a mad dash to get things on the grill, you know, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a crap show. I, I got I got called out for swearing a lot last week, so I've got to curb it. I got to curb it this week. I got to like I got to pull it back a little bit. Uh, were but, you uh, swearing on our show or on yeah, your show, yeah, or like at the, were you at like uh, were you at the grocery store just? randomly screaming obscenities at the vegetables. I think, yes, that always happens. Old man yells at the clouds. But uh, I, there was somebody that accused us of, like, smoking weed before the show because, like, we were just, I don't know, in other sorts. But whatever, that was fine. We had a good time last week. I think we generally have a good time on this show, yeah? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I don't play anymore. So <laughs> when the Bills lose, I'm mad for a little while. But it's not like, you know, I'm missing the playoffs because I'm just – just a fan, just like you, man. Just a mouthpiece trying to come up with reasons why they did it, why they didn't did it, and there in between shall meet. Well, the good news is, is we've got a lot of did it to talk about uh, for this episode. But uh, welcome to everybody uh, for joining into the Off Tackle with John Fita Show. Uh, we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor, Ficta, Endel, and Elmer Eye Care. And let's select uh, this one. It's time to say goodbye to the blur and hello to clear vision. Ficta, Endel, and Elmer are the first in Western New York to bring you Zeiss Smile Technology. Along with our highly experienced surgeons, we promise an effortless journey to better vision. Gone are the days of fumbling for glasses or struggling with contact lenses. Embrace the freedom of superb sight. Because we believe you deserve the world in HD. Visit us online at Ficta.com and schedule a consultation. Ficta, Endel, and Elmer. We are focused on you. Super big thanks to Ficta, Endel, and Elmer. If you are in need of uh, LASIK eye surgery, uh, I, you have had it done. My wife has had it done, not with Ficta, but I think you would say, and she would say, to absolutely go and get it done. I believe Sarah just recently got it done by them. Um, I think there's a bunch of people that have gotten it. But uh, yes, super thankful, super grateful for their sponsorship of our show. And uh, apparently we have lost John Fina. I don't know where he went, but he is no longer... <laughs> in the program. Uh, but uh, thank, thankful for their support of our show. Uh, but uh, also thankful for everybody that is jumping into the, uh, into the, con the, the, uh, the, the comment section, joining our show live here. Do me a favor, like, please like, please subscribe. 
whatever platform you are consuming this vidcast or this podcast on, jump on that like button. If you're on YouTube with us right now, that's the big giant thumbs up button. Go ahead and uh, grab that. If you are uh, listening to it in podcast form, please like, please subscribe. If you want to, you could potentially even leave like a little comment or a review of the show. Talk about how much you enjoy John's commentary and John's kind of outlook on the games. But it is super good to have all of you. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people up in here. Let me see. Oh, Dan Freddy uh, is in the show. Woo. Bye, Fina. <laughs> uh, Miss Mimi Fina. Uh, Joe, it's my time to share and let me in. I'll send you an invite. I don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, well, let me let me see. How can I get? Well, I don't think I can do it from here. Otherwise, I would. Uh, Tracy Victor's in the house. So good to see you. Daniel Gowers is in the house. Uh, Sarah is in the house, like I said, and uh, John Fina is officially back with us. John, did you pay your cable bill? Wait, they send a bill. <laughs> your daughter, by the way, is is like she's she's very much jonesing to get on this show. So I, one of these days, I'm just going to send her the link and surprise you, and you're going to be like, Mimi <laughs> is with us. I'm good with that. I figured she, with that. she wants she wants an episode of I think either us and her and McKenna or just her and McKenna. But we'll have to see if we can make something like that happen sometime. Uh, but don't, uh, don't my, you just send an invite and it happens? Yeah, something like well, something like oh, that. Oh, okay. But I, our mean, guy, I don't know what we have to do. Our guy Mark is in the room. Richard Rush is in the room. Pops Mafia. I was just saying hello to everybody. Uh, one person did have a question. Um, oh, and uh, uh, Daniel says that he heard me swearing about the Hail Mary play at the end of the game. You know what? Let's start. Let's not start there. Uh, there's <laughs> get some, Well, I, let's start by saying hello to my buddy Danny Kwan. What's up, Danny? That that works. Got, hey, next year, Danny, we got to catch another game together, man. There was somebody that asked the question if you had ever seen a fight in the Buffalo Bills tunnel. Right there, uh, Pops Mafia. Did Fina ever see a fight in the tunnel after a game? And I guess, if so, maybe more than one. And uh, don't tell us all of them, but was there one that was like, whoa, it went down? No, no, nothing nothing that drastic, but there were definitely words exchanged and some you know, people fronting each other up. Uh, but never anything toward fisticuffs, but, you know, kind of a little bit of a like a mob push, you know, like when uh, when uh, little kids play soccer, it's just like yeah. a cloud of dust moving yeah. around. Yes, yes, I know exactly. That's all this was as well. There was no. I, I got to tell you, at the end of a game, I'm so tired, I can't even lift my arms. Like, if, I'm not going to start a fight because I couldn't defend myself. I just want to go collapse in front of my locker and sit on my st my stool and wait for Woody to help come peel my pads off. Yeah, it was. Uh, no, I think it was Jordan Phillips. They asked him about it. I think it was Jordan Phillips, and he was like, he basically said they weren't fighting too much during the game. It's funny that they wanted to fight after the game or something like that. Ooh, he, there was there was damn. there was some comments made, which was great. But uh, uh, yeah, so why don't we get the show started? We've done the sponsorship, we've done the intros. Have welcomed everybody. Uh, you are back with us now. So why don't we just go ahead and kind of get right into this whole thing? Which you know, just your overarching thoughts of this football game. Well, my expectations were a victory, right? I, I had no doubt that after losing in week one and just the horrible, horrible fashion that we did, that this would be a, more than just a revenge game to beat the Jets, but a game just to get back on track. I, I was a little, I wasn't curious so much and worried about the new O coordinator um, because I feel like, you know, between the leadership on the offense and, and the coaching staff, that they would be prepared. So, you know, my expectations were a victory. My thoughts on the game, I mean, I could go on and on. There were there were myriad things to choose from that just looked outstanding. You know, there are really only a couple points that, you know, did not make me happy, but were correctable and, you know, against a different team might matter. Uh, I loved the energy. And yeah. to me, there was there was an energy in this game, even watching it after the fact on the, um, you know, basically the all 22 NFL broadcast right. that I have access to and you do not. Um, <laughs> oh, jerk. <laughs> Why are you bringing the pregame stuff into the, er, into the game? Like, stop bringing the pre-show stuff into the show. Like, <laughs> So by and large, I was really pleased. And, and, you know, nothing replaces real energy. You try to fabricate it sometimes when you're trying to turn things around. But from the beginning of that game, Reggie Gilliam setting the tone, yeah. you know, those those moments can die. And then with the kind of the unfortunate drive that followed that, 
you know, there's a real chance that we could just kind of fall back into the, uh, you know, same old, same old. But there were just uh, so many other great things to hold on to. The energy was fantastic. Yeah. How about you, Joe? Yeah, there was a lot. So it was interesting to me that I didn't have a lot of doubt going into this football game either. As much as the Jets are... Our division, any division game kind of gives you a little bit of the the willies, right? The 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 chills up up the spine as far as you just never know what you're gonna get because the teams know each other so well, they play each other so often, blah blah blah. They know each other's tendencies. Um, but the Jets are just that one team for some reason that always just seemed to play Josh Allen well, right? The last several years. Um, and Sala, we talked about it, I think, a little bit going into the game, and Sala talked about it as much after the game. He said, you know, Josh didn't didn't get impatient. He didn't get pushed into hero ball. The Josh that we're used to seeing didn't show up tonight. Uh, and the Bills put 32 points on him and actually scored some touchdowns. Uh, but I was confident that this team was going to be able to beat them. Now, I thought it was going to be a low-scoring game. I didn't for one second think that it was going to be 32-6 to six and actually probably wasn't that close if you think about just kind of how the game played out. Um, but the, overall, I had a lot of friends telling me that they were like, there's no way the Bills win this game. Like, I had people like, hmm. there's no way the Bills win. They're going to get crushed in this football game. And I'm like, what? They're like, oh, new new play caller. You know, Dorsey's the scapegoat. This isn't going to fix anything. There's just a lot of people that were very negative about the football game, and I, which surprised me. So um, I wasn't overly surprised necessarily by what we saw on the football field. I liked the energy. There were times it dipped. We'll talk about that a little bit because I have questions for you. Um, but I liked the person. I don't You couldn't see it on the broadcast because I watched the game back today. Um, but right around uh, middle of the first quarter, maybe beginning of the second quarter, I began to notice, like it became overwhelmingly obvious, the personnel and package changes on the offense. Like they were every play, guys coming in and off. Every single play, guys coming on and off, coming on and off. Uh, there was a couple packages I saw where Gabe Davis and Steph were off the field completely, and the the wide receivers were Sherfield and Deontay Hardy or Shakir. They ran out of that formation every single time, which is probably not something you want to do going forward because if I'm picking up on it in the stands, it's like surely a coach somewhere is like, this is a run play, everybody. See, I'm exactly the opposite. I'm thinking perfect opportunity, play action. We put guys on the field. All we did was run last week. And now the way our three running backs are running the ball, right? I'm thinking run, boom, quick fake. You hope. The fade. You hope. However, the one play that we all wanted to see go away was that delayed inside handoff off the shotgun. And we saw it again for about four plays in this football game. And it didn't really do anything. And they've never done anything off of it. They've never used that play to do something else. So you want to say something. So go oh, ahead. we use that in play action all the time. Not play action. I'm talking about that delayed no, stretch. No, I'm saying we you we. That's right, but we we use that run fake for play action. Maybe it's not sold well enough for me to agree. Fair enough. Fair enough. Gotcha. Gotcha. But anyways, the personnel changes were great. Uh, I loved what I saw from the football team as far as offensively. You just can't say enough defensively for how these guys are playing. Now I know. It's the Jets' offense, and the Jets' offense is not good. But they they harassed well, that offensive line like we have. Yeah, and and you had two non-starting, non-premier tackles, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes they game plan well, get the ball out, but our defensive ends just expose them. How often do we go? We have gone Blew into games. Up. Yes, we, we have gone into there games. There are occasions. Sorry, go ahead. Did, you, did I cut out on you there for a second? Yeah, well, I was just saying that sometimes you do get backups in and they, they have great game planning and it doesn't have an effect on the game. Yep. And we just took advantage yep. of it. Same brain. Extremely well. Yeah, same brain. That's literally where I was going. The, the, you and I have had conversations about, you know, two backup tackles or something like that. And the, and our deep, our pass rush should eat in a football game. And then we come out of the game with like zero sacks and zero pressures. And it's like, what happened? And so just to see them play Ed Oliver is playing like a man on fire. Um, you know, Leonard Floyd, it, it's going to be incredibly sad that we're not going to see at least this year, maybe ever Leonard Floyd, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, and a healthy Von Miller on the field at the same time. Right. So we're going to get three of those pieces, you know, but Daquan 
if he unless he can come back in the playoffs and the Bills make the playoffs, we're just not going to ever really get to see that. I think Leonard Floyd is on a one-year deal. Who knows? Maybe they resign him, but what a pickup. Him, Razul Douglas, like Razul Douglas had had three turnovers, right? Fumble recovery, two yeah. interceptions. Just incredible. It was, it was a it was yeah, it was an amazing football game. I, I don't wow. Right? Oh, whoa, whoa. Joe Miller. Now at a loss for words. And not at a loss, just not speechless, but <laughs> no. checking his watch. I just, I mean, I could pine on as far as that goes. I said a lot on the show March yesterday. Time. <laughs> I've got a couple, I've got a couple things that were not so great, which we'll talk about in the needs work section for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, this football game was freaking fantastic. One thing I forgot to mention at the top of the show, if you've got a question, comment, uh, or concern for John and you'd like to get his attention, please throw us a super chat. We'll make sure that that gets read here on the show. But let's transition over to the good, because I think for the first time in weeks, we're going to get to sit here for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to let you go yeah. with the good. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, I'm going to start with a couple of uh, things that sort of might have maybe a little obscurity here. Uh, Number one, I don't know if you noticed, but we played a couple of snaps in regular defense with all three linebackers on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say this, Bernard and Williams are bringing energy at the second level. Those guys are flying around. Yeah. And I, I think that takes pressure off the front four to know that those guys can pursue and make tackles. They can fill uh, really well the, the B gaps, and they're doing a tremendous job of that. To me, that that's where my eyes were focused. So when your middle of the field is really strong, mm-hmm. Your safeties and your corners can play a lot tighter, and your front guys can play a lot freer and right. work the edge of guys a hell of a lot more. So, they, you know, it all works together, but without a strong middle of the field, I think you have a problem. And, you know, going into the season, I think that was the biggest question mark other than the injuries at corner. You know, what are we doing for linebackers? Holy cow. And those two guys in particular, Williams and Bernard, just look phenomenal. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, A little bit more obvious what we've been saying, or at least I have for a long time. We have to find a way to expose the middle of the field against the defenses we play. Mm. And I've been saying it forever. uh, You know, we wait too long to develop guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, James Cook could have been at this point last year if we Mm. had really trusted and pushed him. Uh, Dalton Kincaid should have been a bigger part of the offense from day one. Early, yeah. Shakir, he really kind of, to me, feels like uh, just a linchpin in the middle of the field, the crossing routes. And then the last thing I'm going to say is I really felt the difference between Dorsey and Joe Miller as O coordinator. You get what I'm going with that, <laughs> oh, Joe Miller? Yeah, yeah. You're not yeah. the first or the second. I know. I know. Your cousin, call, your cousin calling the plays. I just thought the situational play calling was very smart. You know, when we needed a few yards, he schemed it so he would release a guy to get three to five yards on the pass. We weren't just doing the same kind of drop back, working our top three to five passing trees and hoping a guy gets open. Mm -hmm. These seemed like very dedicated strategic plays to get a guy available in a, in a spot on the defense. And 
against this defense, uh, that is an extraordinary feat. Yes. yes. So I got to tell you, I mean, I had no problem with the play calling. Question, uh, you know. question for you in regards to the play calling. So, mm-hmm. Dan Orlovsky, Kurt Warner. Um, uh, I don't even know who. There's been met, there's been many former players, uh, as well as analysts who came out while Dorsey was still here, and uh, that's what it was. Sorry, I'm taking notes. Um, just so I don't forget what I want to ask you. Um, a lot of them have come out and just talked about one of the things that Dan Orlovsky said was, are you, you're familiar with Dan Orlovsky? I'm sure, right? Former, I think he was a backup quarterback for the lions, whatever. Now he's on ESPN um, that the bills offense under Ken Dorsey would motion a lot of times just for the sake of motioning for no reason uh, that the offense was very simplistic, which kind of put the bills at a disadvantage because defenses knew the routes that were going to be run could key in on guys, knew where the football was going to go, which obviously leads to turnovers. Josh Allen clearly didn't help that in times and at times when he would lock in on a receiver where the ball was supposed to go, the football was supposed to go. Um, there was an aspect of at times we saw Josh Allen kind of taking what the defense would give him, and then other times he wouldn't. There was a lot of, I don't want to say confusion. We've heard also people talk about like the offense was predicated, again, all under Dorsey, on perfectionism. It was simplistic, but if everybody executed perfectly, it would be very good. And so we saw short windows at times, when the like the Dolphins game, when the Bills did just that. They actually offensively played well. Now, in this football game, Uh, There was also a lot of motions. However, I guess my questions are going to come this way. What is the difference between an intentional motion, a motion with reason, which, which Brady said in his press conference today as well, I want, you know, we wanted to make sure that if we're going to motion, there's a reason that we're motioning, right? It's, we're, it's telling us something, whether it's the quarterback, whether it's the lineman or the wide receiver, it's giving us information versus the way that Dorsey was motioning simplistic. So, so, Dorsey's game was called simplistic. Meanwhile, Tony Romo on the broadcast said that they really simplified the offense for Josh Allen to like get the ball out and know where the ball was going and look comfortable. So then that confused me a little bit as a fan, right? Um, Because those are very simple words. And then just the easy button throws, which were mostly Kincaid throws. Kincaid is very much falling into that role of Josh Allen needs to know where you're going to be. And Kincaid is like, I'm going to be where you want me to be, much like Cole Beasley used to be. And Josh is beginning to trust that. Or in one game, it seemed like it's like, okay, we could work with this. So I think there was two questions in there. Motions, simple. And then obviously the comment about, yeah, easy button. But yeah. Yeah, a lot to unpack, right? Now, the, the thing that I think a lot of people don't recognize is there's really three areas of the field, right? There's the the red zone, say 25 going in. There's the the opposite end of the field when you're coming out and in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. And then this is where the analytics take place, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you are going to look at what does the defense do in a variety of down and distances in the red zone, in the middle of the field and coming out. Right. And when you're talking about the passing game, first of all, all motion should have a reason. Right. You should, there should be a reason to run it all. And it's typically you're trying to figure out if they're going to disguise coverage, mm-hmm. right? You're trying to figure out if it's man-to-man. So do, they're either disguising the shell or you're trying to figure out if it's man-to-man. Now, you have to understand while you're motioning where you are in the field in that particular down and distance against what you think are their tendencies. Mm-hmm. And then, and then bear with me. <laughs> The information is it has to be delivered to Josh and the receiver and tight end core to say, all right, if if we run this motion on the 45-yard line going out against two high safeties, but they could be a disguise, when 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 we look for this adjustment, whether they rotate or they follow, it's going to tell us whether it's going to be, you know, thirds or man-to-man. Right, right. right. So based on in that information, you should, Dalton, you're the guy. Stefan, you're the guy. Like mm-hmm. the first read is now no longer the first read. You're the second or third read because of what how they're reacting. Right. So there's a, there's so much to that. It's easy to say, oh well, just motion and that'll tell us what they're doing. But right. that changes and and makes you have to uh, reprioritize who gets the ball first. Like gotcha. where's my first read? Gotcha. So 
I, I mean, Tony Romo could be all over the map. I actually think he made some extraordinarily good points last night. There are some times where I'm kind of scratching my head saying, eh, like when he said, oh, the Bills are running every offensive run play. They ran three plays in the right. running game last night, okay. just, just three. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're you're filling air. You're, you just yes. you got a defense that's confused, so you're going to say whatever you want. Right. I think the most important thing is when, when you're running uh, a motion in the middle of the field, the people upstairs have to be quick enough and smart enough to say this is the change they made to the motion. Mm. So if that play isn't successful this time, why could where could it have been? What what could we do better? And I just felt like they were they did a, a terrific job, and they, it had to be a terrific job because the Jets' defense is badass, right? Yeah. Yes, they do not suck. Oh, At all. there is no suck, and no. what we did to them last night really made them look kind of middle of the pack. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so if, if you shouldn't motion just to motion. Well that so and, so let, let's so I love your explanation and I tracked with you because that's kind of what I've learned a lot from you and obviously Jerry and just the stuff that, that I watch as I study. But what what was Dorsey doing in his motions where Dan Orlovsky is like they're just motioning to motion and they're not using it for any reason. D- d- I mean does that stick out to you when you hear that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That'd be kind of a hard thing to say as a blanket statement unless you've really watched every offensive play with motion that the Bills have run. Mm. You know, it's... Is it a situation where somebody motions and you're not using the information it's giving you? Where somebody just goes in motion and it doesn't dictate what happens next? I, I'm going to say this. At the risk of not necessarily calling out some of your analytical players in the industry... Sure. When when you have a change of an offensive coordinator being relieved of his duties yes. and a new guy coming in and they do well, then you are going to start looking for ways to praise the new guy. Fair. Had it had it gone the other way, yes, you could have get all variety. It'd be a shotgun spray, right? Yes. The comments yes. would be everywhere. Now, so right? next question was simplistic offense versus simple offense, giving him simple plays. I know there's a difference. Between, you can have a simple play that's somewhat complex, I would imagine, a simple throw, an easy throw, versus very simplistic scheme, very pre, like predetermined and predictable, correct? Yeah, I mean, look, there's nothing simple about this game. I think the simple thing is to, to really get with your guys that are crossing the field, whether it's Dalton Kincaid mm-hmm. or Shakir, and just talk to them about where to stop. Right. You know, there were a couple of plays I watched, especially Dalton Kincaid in the first half, where he just he he made it about 13 yards and he settled and moved to his right. Just the way we see digs digs do all the time. Right. Right. Just such a great, you know, kind of football knowledge. Right. right. The understanding of the game, just fitting in where the open space is, sitting down and being a nice big target. But and this point was brought up and. I feel kind of stupid because I, I should have tweeted it because I, when I saw it, now it just sounds like I'm repeating what other people said. But we're doing a really nice job outlet passing to our running backs in a very smart way, in a patient way. But the, the overall thing that you could take away from this game is the the Jets have probably one of the best front sixes on defense that we're going to see. Mm-hmm. And we ran three running plays. Mm-hmm. Okay. We ran zone right or left, and we either pulled a tight end across the formation or the tackle across the formation on zone. We ran basic zone, and then we ran a block down, pull the tackle on zone. Right. Beyond that, everything was very simple. Right. What you had was just a bunch of guys who were a little bit tired of being told they weren't good enough, weren't playing well enough, and just to just decided that they need to set the level of play a little bit better amongst themselves. Yeah. Now, it, it, go ahead. Sorry. I'll say the, the only player on the offensive line who I thought had a, just an okay game was Torrance. And it was just two pass plays where he just, you know, when, when you're young and you don't know any better, you throw your hands out all the time. It's automatic. <laughs> and then you start thinking a little bit more and you start going into bear hugging. Right, right. And there were two plays where Torrance just let the guy, you know, as a guard, it's a fight in a phone booth. You have to get long and you got to get long right now. 
Right. And right. he waited a little bit. And you can't do it with those D tackles. Those guys are real men. I yeah, watched beyond that. Beyond that, they looked really good. I watched Dawkins a couple times uh, get a really good strike in, and that was something that you have been somewhat critical of him in the past. That his strike isn't always maybe as I don't know if the word is aggressive, as abrupt, or maybe as violent as it should be. But there was a couple times. There was one specifically after a play where he had gotten beaten, and the very next play, like he 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 made it. He was in t- very intentional about striking the shoulder. Like his arm went out, and he banged the guy, and you saw his shoulder rip back. Like so, I don't know if you caught some of that or how you felt about that. Well, I'm always looking for that. I mean, that's, you know, McGovern has had a great game. He's having a good season. And those are the types of things on the interior that you really have to do. Dawkins doesn't always do it because even though you might not look at the guy and think he's a great athlete, but in his sets are, you know, Jerry and I talk about all the time. I just, I I like, I tell Bruno, like you watch Dawkins, just don't look at his feet, but he gets away with it because his feet are so quick and his recovery is so fantastic, and he stays square for so long that he can do a little bit more of this. I, I don't love it, but he does it well. But when he strikes, it's he's a big dude, and he's, it works. He, he seems to be the only tackle that lines up the way he does. Every other tackle, and we've talked about it, almost lines up illegal nowadays past the belt loop of the center, but he is sometimes right in line with the shoulders of the center. He's the only tackle in the league that I see do it, that line that likes that crowds the line of scrimmage, uh, which is wild, which just speaks to just the quickness and the kind of the 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 quick twitch of his feet and how fast you can get him going, even though you don't want to watch him, as you said, right? Well the, the trick is if you if you know and I may have done it a few times, you know, reluctantly, but if you're, if your feet are like that, the important thing is at the strike point that you have them where you want them. And right. he's able to do it every time, yeah. which, you know, I more think power is, to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. More power to him. So as much as, as much as you feel that maybe it was a, a, a situation where the players are like, look, we're, t- we're, we're, we're tired of be, being dog walked, right. And, and being called out on the way that we're executing. So we're going to execute the same plays, maybe just a little bit better. There were plays that we saw that were different. The Dorsey had not called both touchdown plays to the running backs were plays that we had not seen ever called in this offense. I've never yeah. seen that, that, that those short, little mini rolls, those little roll. mini rolls, even the short motion to cook where he came back and, and Tony Romo talked about it, which number zero, I can't remember who that was like actually went with him showing man. And then Romo said that he's supposed to come all the way across, which means that cook is at an advantage. However, he gave up on his route uh, or either, either he's supposed to come all the way across or they're supposed to hand him off. It's right. Be which, an which they did not do, but we have not seen that play or the one to Ty Johnson where, Josh basically just followed the running back out and he flipped it to him and it just took off on that on that complete misdirection jet sweep going in the opposite misdirection. I guess maybe we haven't seen a lot of misdirection from this offense. And just so you know, both of those plays are designed to get four yards. Right. They're they're not designed to go to the house. Well, from the five, that's okay. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's what you want. But but that's the point. It's like, you know, we're lining up over here. We've had some tendencies in the past. We have a new offensive coordinator, and you throw a few wrinkles in. Now, next week, the Eagles are going to be like, oh, well, they've added this. How are we going to defend that? Right. Um, But then, you know, if you're creative enough, if you are willing to break your own tendencies, first you have to identify your own tendencies, and then you have to be willing to break them and have the confidence that you can go. And this is another thing. We draft James Cook because he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Yes. Why haven't we designed plays for him to do just that? Right? Ty Johnson. uh, Wow. Yeah. Okay. Let's use those guys like receivers. Yeah. And and when we do that, you're just, you're adding another, uh, you know, you're adding another layer, not in the idea of like, oh, we got layers, but you're adding a layer at, Depth, midfield, mm-hmm. and then right outside the line of scrimmage with quality guys, great athletes in space who can put stress on the second level. Right. Because that's the rub, right? I'm a linebacker. Where where do I need to drop? Like, do I need to drop deep enough to help the deep route, the crossing route? Or now do I have to sit eight yards deep and look out for a, for a running back? Right. And then when you do that, boom, Shakir's open. Boom, Kincaid's open. Right. Stefan Diggs on a, on an 18-yard in, he's open now. Right. Right. So that you have to hit the different levels of the defense, and that keeps everybody honest. 
Yeah, it was it was fantastic. There there wasn't much about this game, it, you know, it, from a good standpoint. Even when you're talking about switching to the other side of the field, the defensive side of the field, um, you gotta love the move that Brandon Bean made for Razul Douglas. And I know we talked about him at the top, um, but at the at the very same time, it's like. And I know what the answer is. I, I know. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you the answer after I make this statement or after I ask this question, this rhetorical question, what do you do when Trey white comes back and you've got Trey white legitimate first CB one, you've got Razul Douglas, who is potentially a CB one. And then you've got Christian Benford, who's a six round draft pick, who is a starting corner for your team. Well, the answer is, is Christian Benford is a third year player. You put him on the bench and he rides the pine until something gets figured out. But it's just, to me, it's like, what a luxury of assets. Meanwhile, players get hurt. Right, I mean, guys end up having. Well, I didn't want. I didn't want to bring that up, but dear God, like, (laughs) can we just get through a game with our secondary on its feet? Can we just do that? Right, right. Especially when both of your nickel corners or your 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 nickel corner and your backup safety, who also plays nickel corner and Taylor Rep, get hurt on the same play. It's like uh, we got a bingo. (laughs) This point. (laughs) I mean, we had we had great play from a lot of guys. Yeah. In the secondary, um, yeah. and thirty-nine, uh, Cam, uh, Cam Lewis, Cam Lewis came in. University of Buffalo, Cam Lewis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, th- there's just a variety of things you could do. It strengthens your your nickel. It strengthens your your dime. You have a lot more options to go with. Um, you, and those guys, you you know, they don't have to be on the field and sit back in coverage. If you're in a dime look, the way our defensive line is playing right now. You can bring guys off the edge and roll the coverage the other way. There is nothing nastier than seeing a corner come off the edge mm. and blow up a quarterback and separate him from the ball. Yeah. Now I'm all for that when it's our guys doing it to their guys. So <laughs> you get guys that are hungry, that want to keep competing. And a guy like Benford and Rasul, who's – who's, I, 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 yeah. That pickup is just extraordinary, right? Yeah, for for a what guy that comes paid, in for what we paid, yes. For what we paid, yeah. And you know, he's got this feeling like, hey, I'm 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 here just to just to make it up as I go along. I can I could take that that chance and just throw it out there and go nuts. And and I think he feels like he has that kind of latitude, which I think is so cool. Yeah, Tracy Fichter just sent in a super chat. Tracy, uh, throw in your question uh, in the next comment, and I'll get your question up. Uh, before I do that, though, there's a lot of conversation right now in the comment section about Leonard Fournette. And now I don't know how much you know or don't know about Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is a first-round draft pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, has a Super Bowl ring with, yeah, with Tom Brady. The Bills picked him up, put yep. him on the practice squad, and everybody's like, my God, we got to see Leonard Fournette. Listen, Leonard Fournette, was 28 years old with a Super Bowl ring as a former first round draft pick and not and was out of work for a reason. <laughs> so I would I would probably caution everybody at this point that more than likely you're with with Ty Johnson playing the way that we watched him play in this game. Like we're not going to see Leonard Fournette called up this week. It's Ty Johnson's going to get another probably go at it. Not to mention Damian Harris at some point. I think he's eligible to come to start practicing this week. Coach was not asked about him. I don't think. So I don't know where he is in his rehab from his neck injury, but you know, you've got that guy coming back. I just pass catching ability. Leonard Fournette is probably an upgrade over some guys on this football team. Maybe not because Latavius Murray, James Cook and Ty Johnson showed he could catch the football yesterday as well. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know that Fournette finds the field ever unless there's another injury, which for goodness sakes, we don't want to, necessarily see it so tracy fixture yeah says, look i look wait wait wait. Tra- tracy fixture says she was testing the super chats well thank you <laughs> she, she needs to test my wi-fi connection it's like I'm, i keep looking at it like oh my god we're gonna go dark again <laughs> finally a show everybody loves it ends 24 minutes early um look I, i'm sorry i just i can't dive into that to me it's a non-versation you got three guys playing at a high level very high you got a guy who's coming back from injury i think the more I think what's more interesting is I see people making fun of uh, Von Miller, you know, going upfield deep. I can't tell you the number. I, I can't. I don't have enough digits on my body to count the number of times that Cornelius Bennett and Bruce Smith, you know, got pushed 14 yards deep. But huge game-breaking plays, and in this format, when I can take my time and go back and watch, and I replay a play and replay a play. There were things that Von Miller did that 
make me believe he's closer to being an impact oh, yeah. player. Oh, he's yeah. trusting his body a little bit more. He was doing some some dipping and uh, you know uh, some change of direction things yep. that yep. make me think, you know what? If we get this playoff push going, he's getting closer and closer. And you have to do that. You just don't achieve that in practice. Right. So that's why Von Miller's on the field. And when you're up by, you know, 30 points or 26 points against the Jets, yes, you put the $110 million guy in the game and you start getting him ready. And he starts practicing all the leverage stuff that made him the future Hall of Famer that he is. And let's see if we can get that dollar value. And don't come at me like the guy is a waste and he's on the bench and he should be cut. We got him here because he's a freaking legend. Right. And he happened to have an injury like he didn't choose. He didn't raise his hand like, hey, who wants an ACL injury? And he's like, Woo-hoo, that's me, dude. I definitely want to go down with that. No, that didn't happen. Rehab sucks. Injuries blow. That's hysterical. So, yeah. And not to mention he he regardless of um, where he's at in his rehab, the, the fact of the matter is when Vaughn Miller's lined up across the line of scrimmage, he has not lost a step. He's injured, but he hasn't lost a step. So he's going to command attention. They're not going to be like, oh, that's just Vaughn Miller. Don't worry about him. So there's nothing but good that could potentially happen from coming, coming from him being on the field. However, real quick, I was corrected. Fournette was, in fact, drafted by Jacksonville. However, it further strengthens my case. First-round draft pick, Two football teams. Yes, he has a Super Bowl ring, but he was on the street at twenty-eight. Dude is not. He, I don't. I don't think. Unless I don't think he ever plays a down as a Buffalo Bill. But that's a conversation. No, I don't agree with that. But I think you know. Here's a guy there's, who there's was on the street, like you said. Well, hey, <laughs> come on. He's not. We playing. went out and got Russell Douglas because we were like we but were paper good. thin. Well, you're, oh, so now you're talking about if a no, bunch I'm of guys just go down. saying you got a quality guy yeah. who's guys, at point in his career where he's like, holy crap, I'm 28 years old. My productivity went down. I'm doing something wrong. These Buffalo Bills are giving me a chance. If it's me, I'm in the gym. I'm, I'm making sure that I'm eating right. And when when I get called, if I get called, I want to be the Leonard Fournette that I was when I was 23 or 24. Leonard Fournette wasn't saying. good at 23 or 24. Leonard Fournette was he, never a great running back. He was a good. Not, I, he was basically a, a leveled up version of TJ Yeldon. Is all he ever was. Uh, and you know what? If one guy goes down. Yeah. That's not a bad option. Yes, in that case, you're 100%. And that's right. all I'm saying. I'm that's trying all to, I'm saying. I'm try, I have no wood around me to knock. I'm trying to basically keep the luck up and saying that if, if we have no injuries at running back going forward, Leonard Fournette never finds the field as a Buffalo Bill. He also doesn't play special teams, which is a problem. So, but that's no, I, well, I don't disagree with that. But I think if he gets called, he's going to be ready. Oh, he'll be ready. That's not the problem. I just don't think he's better than the three well, guys. Well, it was the problem. He was 28 years old and on the street. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's better than the three guys in front of him. So No. Yeah. But I don't either. It's funny because people apparently in the comment section, at least four or five people, love Leonard Fournette. They think he's the bee's knees, bro. <laughs> you guys can hang and, with and Mike. A, an expression I have never understood. Me either. But you guys can hang with, with Mike Shope, who literally battles every day on the radio about why Leonard Fournette isn't getting playing time and taking carries away from James Cook. Like, like I don't the dude's the dude's third in the league in rushing. He's averaging five yards a carry, he can catch the ball in the backfield, and you want to put him on the pine. It's like what is happening? Do, do we right even now? need do we even need to talk about James Cook right now? Because no. well, we're talking is, about the good. We're talking about the good. He is just doing some smooth ass shit. <laughs> like, I mean, he's I like he, I watched a play today, and I was like, "That's Thurman Thomas right there. Oh. Nothing there. Gets low. Gets angular. It just gets four. There was, there was, what's amazing to me about him, and I said this last year towards the end of the year, I think on this show, and I've said it this year, and now it's starting to look. I, I said before that he looks like. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. He doesn't have the size and the stature, but when Le'Veon, when Lev Bell, when he was with the Steelers, got the football, he would come to the line and kind of stop, crouch a little, and then stand up, pick his hole, and go. There was one play in the first quarter when he got the football. He literally just kind of tucked between the offensive linemen and, and waited for a second, and then darted to his left and took off and got five yards. I was like, that was brilliant, brilliant. You know. It, it... <sighs> It's because he has that uh, that fast twitch. Like right, he can right. just start. 
right? But he's so still- guys who guys who don't have the confidence in being able to change direction and accelerate that quickly, um, a la Zach Moss, a la Devin Singletary. Although I I do like both those guys, I wish them very well. And Singletary's killing it down in Houston right now with CJ Stroud. Yes, yes. Um, which shocker, the better your quarterbacking is, the better back your running backing is. Weird. Running backing. Running backing. Yeah, and 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 vice versa. <laughs> running backing. <laughs> running backing. Running inging. Uh, he 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 just. Uh, I think he's he really gets it. And there's a lot to. I, and this is where when I when I go coach in high school, you know, it's kind of like there. I don't know if you're if you ever coached football before, but like I coach offensive linemen, mm-hmm. and if you're the quarterbacks coach, and you know, there's a play you don't like, and you you walk up and you start coaching my offensive linemen, you and I are going to have a conversation, right? And I'm going to tell you flat out. If you're going to coach my guys, be ready because I will coach your guys until they cry. Okay, <laughs> they will gotta, cry. Got to one up them. So when I when I go talk to to running backs, you know, I, and not really coach them, but just say, you know, it's philosophy, mm-hmm. all right? So you got to understand, and it's all pre-snap. Everything is pre-snap in football. Mm-hmm. Everything is pre-snap. What's your read? How's the guy aligned? What's the play? What's the philosophy of the play? What's my aiming point? And where do I see this breaking up? Right. 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 So Thurman Thomas would get to the line and he would look and say, all right, there's a three technique over there. It's cutting back. It always is going to cut back. Oh, now it's a shade. It's going to hit front side. And now all I have to worry about is a linebacker. So when you start talking to these kids and James Cook looks like he's doing it he's got an understanding how's the defense aligned against this running play and what's my first read on the snap so if i'm reading mcgovern's guy and that guy goes inside i'm going to press the play side Hmm. if he flies i'm looking at the cutback so if he flies my next block my next look is at mitch morse and Torrance. If they handle their guy, I'm in the A gap. If they wash him, I'm bending all the way back out to Spencer Brown. Right. And it's just one, two, three. But it all starts with pre-snap. So literally, you're discussing the difference. It's funny because in that era of Thurman Thomas, you had three guys, Emma Smith, Barry Sanders, Thurman Thomas, all three different running backs in three very different systems. Barry Sanders was the guy that you almost didn't even need a line in front of him. He was going to go and he was going to find wherever he had to go and he was going to get loose because he had tree trunks for thighs. Thurman was what you just said, very read, kind of react, slice through, could get skinny, turn his turn his shoulders, get through a hole, make it through. Emmett Smith ran through holes in his offensive line where it was like, you just go. Like, literally, you probably could have had 1,000 yards a season behind that offensive line. That was the greatest offensive line ever assembled in the NFL that Emmett Smith ran behind, and he just ran forward. Like, go that way, Emmett, really fast. Yeah. And Emmett did, right? A great guy, though. You know, I hosted him for a uh, podcast for work. Yes, you did. Yeah. And it, it was awesome. I, I was like, <laughs> you know, he, it's just like uh, Caleb Williams, the quarterback at USC, right? You, you want to hate your rival players, you right, know? Right, right. And then I listened to an interview with the kid, and I'm like, I love this kid. I don't want to love this kid. I'm like, I don't want to like him. I'm like, I want to I bury this guy. And then you hear him on the radio, and you're like, oh, it's such a sweet kid. You're like, dude, I we are uh, very late, so let's talk about the work in this game. We're having a lot of fun, which is great, but let's talk about the work in this game real quick. For me, um, I'll go first. There was a couple just small things for me. One of them, you know, I'll point out, and I, I got accused on Twitter this morning of going on and on and on about the last series before uh, halftime when the Buffalo Bills had zero energy. The wind had, the air had left the stadium. I don't know what the hell was going on. There's seven seconds left in the half. Josh Allen runs basically a call draw up the middle and gets tackled after one yard. Then there's two seconds left, and they throw a Hail Mary, and it's like, just kneel on the freaking football. You are owning this game up and down the field. Offense, defense, special teams a little bit concerning. However, you're owning this game. Just kneel on it and go in the locker room. What is happening, right? Like, it was a clown show, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, every play before that was okay. You got enough time to try, but then when when there just isn't enough time and there's too much field, yes, I agree. Kneel on it. And you know what? Look, you can, 
I don't know if you've noticed, but like, I don't post anything anymore on X because I'm just so tired. I'm like, I, I, I read, I'm a lurker. I read stuff and I'm like, oh my God, I just, everybody's got a take and everybody wants to have a radical take. You were right. And I, you know, as much as I hate agreeing with the venerable and quality Joe Miller, I mean, you were right on that, but I don't want to go out and get dragged with you. <laughs> <laughs> I did get dragged quite a bit. What if they got uh, a pass, but, what if they get a pass interference call? It's like they don't call pass interference on Hail Marys. It doesn't happen. No, but no, but they call grounding when they throw the ball 40 yards up. <laughs> Tony, uh, look, Tony you know, Dungy picking up that 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 conversation is the most amazing. I don't know if you've seen it, but Tony is like carrying that on. Like he picked up a play from this weekend that the same thing happened, and he like tagged the NFL officials and was like, is this a grounding penalty because it was two weeks ago <laughs> it's amazing yeah I'll, I'll say this so and i think we're done with that i mean you're right and uh anybody who thinks otherwise is not a serious person um and i am so serious <laughs> love it uh no look i'll tell you this uh what i think the problem was that uh, reggie gilliam gets a turnover on the kickoff and we score a field goal and then we drive, 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 and we score a field goal. We we need to get to the playoffs. And now I get it. You know, you could say new OC, this and that. Um, but we, we can't have any more field goals early in the game. The best way to win this game is to go up by 14 and then let your defense loose. So right. Right. score touchdowns. Exactly. And, and look, I'm not saying this as a, as a casual observer, when I was on the field and when we had momentum and we came off with a field goal, man, I was pissed. Mm. Like I felt like, you know, I look at the score at the scoreboard and I'm like field goal and I'm pissed off. Right. And you know, you, you just, you're not going to win against the Eagles and the chiefs and kicking Dallas and, and Miami kicking field goals. So the work is, you know, continue with this very, uh, I don't want to say structured, but I think, opportunistic down and distance play calling that, you know, whether it was by accident or whether it was on purpose, it really, it really revealed itself to me in this game. Mm -hmm. So smart play calling, if it's third and five, run a seven yard route, you know, utilize what you know about the defense, what they've told you so far, 100%. and don't just line up and run downfield, be smart. Hundred percent, yeah. There's, there was, there was, uh, it, there wasn't much to talk about from a, from a work standpoint in this game. You know, I, I feel very vindicated uh, in as much as on my show, and I said this before we got we went live, just that I said that you know, anything that is off the rails as far as the Bills' offense seem to be isn't going to just magically get back on the rails. It, it's going to take steps. You're going to have to take a step in the right direction. And then Sean McDermott was asked that question, and he said, "Well, it was a step, right? It was a step in the right direction." And I'm excited to kind of con see continuous steps, right? I'm not looking for it to snap back in as much as Josh Allen said on the sideline. I feel like I'm back to my effing self, um, which you hope continues, right? I mean, if there's a time mm -hmm. to catch fire and find yourself, now is the time. Six games left, head, you know, headed heading into the postseason. Um, but special teams for me, even going back. Yeah, you keep saying special teams. Is it just the kicker? Because say the kicker, if that's not, what it is. No, it's not just the kicker. It's kicker. It's I know Reggie Gilliam set the tone. However, there's some philosophical things going on, like kicking to the number one kick returner in the league last week over and over and over again. There's just some things going on on special teams, whether it's coverage issues. Sam Martin isn't playing well. He had that one game where he kept putting the ball inside the five like four or five times in a game and then like basically has shanked the ball, not shanked it, but like they just haven't made good punts since then. There just seems to be... Outside of Reed Ferguson, who is <laughs> effectively Mister Inevitable, like everything he does is going to be perfect, right? Um, it just it just feels like they gave up. They gave up. Obviously, the fake the fake punt last night. They weren't ready for it. Saran Neal turned his back, and then the 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 gunner turned the corner and caught the football. The, special teams is just you know last week as well. You know, special teams was kind of like where that maybe the guy that should have gotten fired, Coach Smiley versus you know whatever dorsey but it, yeah but yeah it's just not it hasn't been well look it hasn't, uh, been, it hasn't been great maybe maybe they need a shaman i don't know <laughs> i'll come in and talk to him uh, I'll, I'll say this uh you know as much as that that fake punt 
Uh, it didn't really hurt, but it, it's a little sting. I have a little bit of pride in that in that fake punt and the Jets special teams. I yeah. do. Yeah, the Jets special teams. You have pride in the Jets special teams. I do. What do you mean? Brant Boyer, University of Arizona linebacker, special team oh, coach, Newsy oh, Jets. Oh, okay. Interim head coach, Los Angeles Raiders, Antonio Pierce, University of Arizona football. Here we go. It's all about – stop name-dropping, John Fina. Stop being that guy. <laughs> Just proud of my alma mater. Just proud. <laughs> All right. So on the or for the with the last couple minutes of this football game, the uh Philadelphia Eagles are currently playing the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football right now as we're recording this podcast. It's seven to seven. The Eagles mm. are eight and one. The Chiefs are seven and two. We play both of these teams, I think, back to back, right? We play the Eagles mm-hmm. and then the Chiefs. Uh in Philly, bye week, and then the Chiefs. Yeah, what do you got? Because the the, the Eagles they pose a good defense. They pose a good offense. Um, I feel like the offense that they ran, Sirianni has Jalen Hurts running that Josh Allen 2020-2021 offense a little bit. And uh, while I don't feel he is a guy that's going to throw daggers at you like Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen will, he's very effective. He's very you know, he's very definitive uh, or decisive, I should say, in his reads and the ball goes where it's supposed to go. He makes the right reads at the right time. Um, it's going to be a tough game, tough football game. Do, do you want my uh, comedic uh, Glenn Parker, Jerry Ostrowski locker room commentary or yes. do you want my honest? Both. Give us both. All right. <clears throat> Why not both? <laughs> Player commentary. You ready? I am hoping for a non-life-threatening, non-career-ending injury that times up such that their key players aren't available when they play my team. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, um, convert all field goals to touchdowns, right? And is, you know, run the football. Nothing breaks will like four and a half yards of carry. And that's... And, it's, and, it's such and, a, and and the but, and the defense just continue to deliver. Like the defense, if they can maintain this level of play, and we can have a nice, you know, James Cook, Stephon Diggs attack, I think we have a great chance in I, both the games. I don't feel defensively. You know, the Buffalo Bills have done a good job. Um, every time I want to get nervous, Tariq Hill, Jalen Waddle. You know, any any team that has two great wide receivers, we've played a couple other teams that have had, you know, Terry McLaurin. We've played Terry McLaurin this year. Like, we've played a lot of great wide receivers this year, and the Bills have done a good job against them. Even Garrett Wilson last night. Granted, his problem was more about the guy behind center. But at the end of the day, you know, when you look at the Eagles defensively, I think for me, there's an old-school format of thinking, which is, and you and Jerry share it, and I appreciate it, which is just run the football. But Bill Belichick is trying to just run the football, and he's got what is it? Two wins, three wins? Because it doesn't work. No, no, no. It's not. It's not. See, you say it that way, but really, what I'm trying to say is have a smart running game that gets four and a half yards of carry. That's right? fair. I agree with that. So, but, and when you establish that, everything else falls into place. When you when you're without that, everything else is a struggle. Right. And I'm not saying, you know, go in with this attitude that we're going to beat them down, but you you have to use the run game strategically. It has to be a smart run game. So, and when it's not successful, that's a problem. So I think the numbers were 60, 68 to 62 run versus pass. So you would be okay with that. Or pass versus run, rather. 68, I believe there were 68 pass plays yesterday, 62 run plays. So that type of balance you'd be okay with. You're not looking for like 70% runs or like we had 129 snaps. I thought that's what I heard today. Let me let me hang on. We didn't have 129 snaps. So I think we had like uh I think we had 37 runs with 32 passes or something like that. I think you might be right. But let let me confirm. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, when your defense is playing at a high level the way they are, you can have patience and 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 exploit the run game. And yeah. I, I think it it does set a lot of things up. And I, I'll tell you, uh, the way our the way our backs catch the ball out of the backfield, it's smart. It's just a smart way to play football, and it works. So you're talking about the pass being somewhat of an extension of the run in this case, yes? Sure. 
But, I mean, look, if we throw the ball 10 or 15 times more than the run, I don't care. I'm not talking about numbers, Joe. I'm not saying run the ball because I want to have 40% of my plays as a run. I don't care if it's 20% of the plays as long as when you run the ball, you're getting four-plus yards. So yes, it was uh, thirty-two passing attempts. It was I. Sorry, my numbers were. I had the 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 last part of the number correct. The first part right. It was thirty-eight to thirty-two. The Bills actually had thirty-eight runs and thirty-two passes, which is abnormal for this Buffalo Bills team. Buffalo Bills team as they ran more than they actually passed. So apologies mm-hmm. to uh, everybody listening to the show, but thank you for that correction. So yeah, I, I just you're welcome. No worries. Um, at the end of the day. It doesn't seem like anything we ever expect Bills games to be like they are. Is that fair? Like it, it seems like no matter what we predict, if we predict the blowout, it's a low-scoring game. Well, right? it's fair for you. It's fair for you, but I've been sitting here along with Jerry O saying James Cook is a terrific running back. I've never not said when, that. I've never not no, said that. No, no, no. But but my expectation has always been that we are going to get smart and and apply the proper run philosophy against the defense that we're playing that week. Like I'm not against uh, angle blocking, pin and pull, but I think you have different defenses where you say the best thing for us this week is to feature zone run. And in another week, say, you know what? We think they're soft at three technique, so we want to wash that guy down and kick out the end and hit it up inside over here, right? So I think you just have to be smarter about it. And I think in this last game, I don't think it was very obvious that we leaned on their defensive front four. And, I mean, C.J. Mosley, the Williamses, those guys are – they're monsters. C.J. Mosley might be the most – as much as he's a well-known linebacker, he might be the most underrated linebacker in the NFL. That dude is good at playing. You say that, but I don't know who's out there rating him. I mean, but it's me. But yeah. We hear about the Bobby Wagners. We hear about the Fred Warners. And we hear about, like, guys, there's guys we hear about. And nobody really ever mentions C.J. Mosley. And I think it's because he's on the Jets. But that dude is a he's a playmaker. He's a difference maker on defense. But, yes. He does, he does, he does all three facets of the game. And he yeah, does so them all what, really what, well. In one in in thirty seconds to one minute, what do you expect to see from the Buffalo Bills next week against the Philadelphia Eagles? And if you want to give me a score prediction, give me one. Hmm, I'm not into score predictions, but uh, here's, here's non-committal. All I heard going was back to what we were talking about earlier. Non-committal. <laughs> All right, Bills by three. There you go. I don't care. It's going to be a hundred and three to a hundred. How's that? As long as it's within three, then you win. That's right. So you talk about Jalen Hurts and running the ball, and you're like, oh, now we've got all these great DBs, Rasul Douglas, Dick Benford, this and that. If you go to a dime package in a very clear passing down, do you want Dorian Williams or Terrell Bernard chasing Jalen Hurts, or do you want Christian Benford lurking in that mid-flat range, just eyeing the quarterback and looking at the dump route? That's not a bad solution. I think you stop Jalen Hurts from scramble, which he's very good at, and you 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 tighten up the middle of the field mm-hmm. and the pass defense, and I think we got a really good chance to win. Offensively, oof. Uh, you know, I think man, I, I I still like attacking the defense between the tackles. And I think that's well, it's clear we had the most success yesterday going forward right give the off give the offensive line the you know pop in the shoulder Mm -hmm. you guys are doing good we're going to trust you this week we're going to go at them our run game philosophy is we are going to go forward we are not going to try to get on the edge even though cook is very good at that Mm -hmm. we'll do that a little bit to expand them to get them thinking but we're going to hit this defense between the tackles I like it. It's going to be interesting because there's an aspect of like the Bills getting a little bit of a taste of their own medicine in this football game because Jalen Hurts, like they don't, the Bills don't see offenses that run the way they run. Um, and this offense runs the way they run. However, the one thing I'll end the show with this um, uh, we saw the play yesterday that we see about once every eight, nine games, which is the, uh, the toss sweep. We actually saw a toss sweep in that football game yesterday. Did you, did you see it when it happened? Like the Bills, and it was successful. The Bills never, like, even going back to Thurman's days, the Bills never ran a toss sweep. They, that's just something that is, regardless of head coach, offensive coordinator, that's just a play that the Buffalo Bills have rarely, if ever, run. 
and it was fun to watch it. They also ran something. Do you, want, the eye. do you want my comments on that? Wait, wait, wait. They also ran two plays out of the eye formation, got blown up on both of them. But anyway, <laughs> yes. there, there are only there are only a handful of running backs who can take a handoff and really expose the edge because players. There's too many C.J. Mosleys and Terrell Bernards that can run sideline to sideline. It's just yeah, but a, so hard. But, but a toss sweep, a toss sweep is not a handoff. But yeah. So it, this it, is this is where you interrupt me, <laughs> and I wonder why it's the John <laughs> show and it's not just the Overreaction podcast. And then I get like really self self conscious, and I go into my shell like I always am. I'll spotlight you to make you feel better. Does that work? So my no, God no. So my point is this: I don't, I don't mind going for the edge. Everybody should toss more. I would love to see James Cook receive the ball four yards wider than he would if he were handed the ball. Right, right. I agree, hundred percent. It's just, it's just fun to see it when it happens. I know you do because you cut me off and said the very same thing. Well, it was very much, if I'm not mistaken, an OJ Simpson play. So I think that's why guys like my dad geek out about it when they see it because the when the Bills had OJ, six foot two, a monster among men or a monster among boys back then that, that could like run like crazy. The Bills used to just throw the like th- toss the football out to him and he would like run for 2000 yards in 14 games, but, uh, yeah, look, I, you know, that play that, uh, Ty Johnson went across the formation and was wide open, took it in. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at that same kind of play, you do the run action to the left and you stop and you spin out and you throw it as long as the defensive end is eaten up by Spencer Brown or Deion Dawkins on the other side, then you run that, that college play they're running about 10 years ago, mm. uh, a little, a little, similar to what Flutie and I used to run where he faked it and spun around and I'd go out and lead. Right. I mean, it's worth it to do every now and again, but a pitch or a toss to a guy like James Cook getting him out in space where there's an opportunity for just one defender or two I like those odds. I'll take those odds. Me too. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been tuned into the Off Tackle with John Fina show brought to you by Fick. I hope you didn't regret it. Endel and Elmer Eye Care on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. So happy to have you guys with us on this Victory Monday, which you might be Victory listening Monday! You might be listening on Victory Tuesday, Victory Wednesday, or Happy Thanksgiving, Victory Thursday. We are appreciative of everybody who listens to and watches this show. Happy Thanksgiving to anybody, to everybody, rather. Uh, John, any final comments before I get us out of here? Yeah, celebrate this win by going to Buffalo Rumblings and catching all the podcasts. Jerry O, Sarah Larson, Spence, everybody else who's out there, Fernando. Just revel in it. My God, it's been a rough season. So go into all the podcasts. Have so much fun. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Overeat. Don't overdrink. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your loved ones. And I'll miss you in Buffalo this year. But uh, my my heart is with you guys. And and uh, let's beat the damn snowy egrets. Let's beat them. For me, Joe Miller. For John Fina, all Buffalo rumblings. Go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs>